This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 6, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. You may not have heard of special taxing districts, but they're delegates of your state government able to lay and collect taxes. And they do so largely out of the public eye. Steve Slavinsky is a senior economist at the Goldwater Institute. He says special taxing districts make state debts seem smaller than they really are. I'm from Kentucky, and Kentucky has a very high number of small geographically based groups that are called special taxing districts. And you say that this is a, a much broader phenomenon. I, I always heard that they were a problem. They were largely unaccountable. Uh, but you're saying this is a much larger problem uh, for states. This is a broad phenomenon among all 50 states. We know this because the Census Bureau uh, tallies up numbers every five five to seven years called the Census of Governments. What they do is they, they count the number of governmental units that exist at the local level, county and city level, and even at the state level, though those don't change because we have 50 states and they have 50 state governments. But the number of governments that have grown at the local and county, city and county level, have grown dramatically since the 1950s. And they're largely being driven by the creation of these special taxing districts. And a lot of red states have this. Uh, in fact, in greater numbers than some potentially blue or purple states. And uh, you know, so some of the question comes in, uh, how much government spending is being driven by the creation of these special taxing districts? And a lot of it is actually being driven by this. And the reason this red state phenomenon is kind of interesting is because the question becomes, well, gee, on paper, it may look like these local governments, city and county, or even state governments, they may not be growing that fast. But if you include these special taxing districts, all of whom are able to spend money most of whom are able to issue debt, and, and most of which uh, can levy a property tax, just like standard, conventional, traditional city, county, and state governments. Uh, and they're not often counted in the, the full statistics. Suddenly, there's this shadow leviathan that's growing, uh, often without bound in most states. When you talk about the powers that they've got to spend and collect uh, revenue, what does that look like? Well, basically, most of them uh, can levy some form of fee or a tax. Usually, it's a property tax, and it's on the same property tax base that a city or a county uh, can levy the property taxes on as well. And so what this does is it kind of creates sort of a, a problem of the commons where you sort of overtax the property base. And the reason this is really disconcerting is because, first of all, these taxing districts, when they're created, uh, generally are sort of designed, really, to be somewhat invisible and unaccountable. That's why I call them shadow leviathans. The whole point is that, uh, first of all, when they're created, uh, oftentimes there are unelected boards that are doing uh, the decision-making, uh, when to issue the bonds, when to spend the money, and on what to spend the money and issue the bonds uh, on. Uh, the property taxes are potentially but they may not be listed on a property tax bill. Sometimes they'll have these very vague names. You can't quite figure out what their, uh, what their purpose is. And the elections, even in the states that have elections to do things like raise taxes or to issue bonds, they often occur in very non-traditional times of the year, sometimes over the summer when no one's around. And so turnout is very, very low. And a lot of these special districts, many of them being, say, fire districts, for instance, which are actually very common, uh, these are basically little fiefdoms that are run by fire department unions or firemen unions. And so basically the people who turn out are those that have a very strong vested interest in the outcome. And so you've got these property taxes and the spending going on uh, in a way that's uh, much less accountable uh, than standard city or county governments. Now, I can understand why state lawmakers would want to avoid the responsibility of collecting taxes or having supported some sort of uh, tax, uh, but do they not control the how 
this money is spent as well? Or do they just have some mandate that they apply and say, this is how you're going to spend it? Well, no. Usually, uh, special tasking districts have a great deal of autonomy in that sense. Uh, they are basically these little uh, quasi-governments that are spun off from a, a city or, or, a, or a county government uh, to usually one specific function or to carry out one specific function. They'll, they'll tax based on that. Uh, on that uh, goal. Uh, but one of the interesting things about uh, these special taxing districts, and arguably in the analysis that uh, we've seen in the academic literature, uh, one of the reasons for their proliferation is the fact that these special taxing districts usually don't count toward a spending or uh, our constitutional spending or constitutional debt limit for counties and cities. Most states, and this is why the red state phenomenon is, is interesting, uh, states that have spending limits on city and county governments, say it's a, a limit that says these governments can't spend faster than population plus inflation, or they have some kind of property tax levy limit, or they've even got a bonding limit for you know, a percentage of the property tax base or something. In each of these cases, uh, courts have basically looked at the spending tax limit and, and the debt limits and said, well, the special taxing districts don't really apply because there's a number of different intricacies and details about how they're administered and how they're created, and they just don't apply toward the limit. And so you start seeing, starting in about the 1970s or so, states that have these constitutional limits it's voter-imposed constitutional spending and debt limits on local governments, you start to see an expansion in the number of special taxing districts because it allows local policymakers to circumvent these constitutional limits. Now, with respect to the debt uh, that these uh, special taxing districts are able to issue, you said that that does not count for the purposes of calculating debt limits. But it does count as far as rating agencies are concerned, should that uh, debt not be paid. That's right. Uh, in fact, so the, state's, uh, the state's credit rating is nonetheless at risk. And usually county or cities are the ones that are more closely tied to that credit risk. That's exactly right. And in fact, the courts in most states have deemed the kinds of bonds that are being issued by special taxing districts as not relevant or not counting toward the debt limits for these localities. The reason they say that is because these debts are typically what they call revenue bonds. They're bonds that are issued that are tied to a specific revenue source. Uh, a good example of this at a state level anyway, although we're talking about local governments, but an example of this at the state level would be, say, a cigarette tax or even a fuel tax. You can bond for road building, for instance, because it's tied to one specific revenue, in this case, the fuel tax, for instance, in that example. Uh, and they've got versions of that at the, at the local level. And so these bonds are issued uh, based on that one specific taxing source. The problem is revenue bonds uh, over the decades have proven themselves to be one of the highest risk of default types of bonds uh, that you can issue. And as a result, there is some credit feedback and some, some blowback from that sort of thing. The main problem with all of this, though, is despite the fact that local governments will say, well, this is not a full faith and credit type of debt, we can remain at arm's length from this. Local governments have a very hard time making a credible commitment not to bail out bonds like this, of this sort, when they go bad. And we've seen this sorts of thing uh, kind of at a low level uh, for a number of years. And now that we're starting to see entire cities declare bankruptcy as a result of the recent economic crisis, uh, I think we're going to start seeing more revenue bonds uh, start defaulting. And I think you're going to see more pressure on local governments to start bailing them out. Of course, they're not going to learn from their mistakes. They'll continue to do this sort of thing because it benefits them uh, in a fiscal sense because, as I said, it allows them to issue debt without having to uh, count toward their debt limit, although there may be some feedback with the, uh, the yield rates and such. But for the most part, uh, they, politicians at the local level still see this as sort of free money in a way. And of course, liabilities uh, at the local level fall up. They, if, if a local government can't pay something, the state's on the hook for it quite often just because, you know, 
localities often exist at the pleasure of the state government. Well, that's right. In fact, by definition, counties and cities really are creatures of the state government. So the states are sovereign in all of this. Uh, and so the question does become uh, how much of a, of a shielding do they want to provide to, to local governments? Uh, and there are governments that local governments that do get dinged uh, by these types of defaults, obviously, even if they decide not to, to, to step in. Although, again, those cases are rare. Uh, so I do think it's important, though, to be thinking about this in the broader sense. We do know that constitutional debt and spending limits work to limit government at the local level and at the state level, too. There's a lot of empirical evidence about this. So it seems to me that the attention of small government conservatives and libertarians, if they're interested in trying to find a good way of, in a sense, plugging the holes in these limits that have shown to work at the local level and at the state level, they need to be thinking about special taxing districts, finding a way to bound these little shadow leviathans in a way that has been effective at binding more traditional forms of government. Steve Slavinsky is a senior economist at the Goldwater Institute. You can learn more about taxes and spending at our website, cato.org.